0: It
1: is the Friday edition of the Jay Severin Show here on the Blaze Radio Network. And yet, and yet, like Hamlet, I tread, even dread, the notion of moving on without settling our affairs. Now, I know they can't be settled, won't be settled, and that's the great fun of it. It's going to be a great settling of affairs every show, every day, every month for a long time. But still something bugs me, and that is how do we move on to the new news without having fully engaged the questions that brought us to where we are right now, from which we are still reeling, right? We still don't – I still don't understand or appreciate that it's a two-man race Trump and who's that other man oh yeah Hillary Excelsior I was just finishing the little and most humble prayer I utter each day during the theme music, and it is, please, God, let me present the best show I can. Let me be as good as I am able. I certainly can't ask for more than that. I hope not to be doomed with less than that, but... Please let me perform as well as I am able. And implicit in that, of course, is so that I might be worthy of the best and brightest audience. Am I sucking up? Well, no. Would I? Of course. But welcome to the Friday edition of the Blaze Radio Network, which publishes the Jaily News, an American tragic comedy every day in two acts. And so let me ask you this. Uh, Where do we go from here? But before I get to that, I guess I already have. But before I move beyond that, I do have this piece of news. I regard it as an existential piece of news, a profound piece of news. And that's why it's going to upcut everything else. But I don't plan to talk about it. The beauty, of course, is if you plan to talk about it, there is the following number at which you drive the show. Today is another uh, caller-driven show. And that is to say that no matter what I'm saying, I won't finish a monologue or a point or anything else. If you call, you go on the air. The average wait time, not including if... Someone else is on the line at the moment on the air. Not including that, your average wait time will be thirty seconds or less, or your next call is free. And uh, and here is that number: one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Tweets will be read more than usual. It being a Friday, and the same rules applying. At J-A-Y underscore S-E-V-E-R-I-N. The underscore is not the whole thing. It's just a little, the doohickey. So it's at J-A-Y, little underscore doohickey, then sever All right. Here is our first item for your consideration on today's Price is Right. Have you ever heard the term Great Briticide? Great Briticide. Uh, have, uh, let's shorten it. Have you ever heard the term Briticide? How about Inglicide? How about Anglocide? By now you have surmised that your host is endeavoring to make a, a cheap pun uh, here out of the combination of the words suicide and uh, anything that is recognized as English, British, etc. This is where the kidding stops, but only for a moment. And here it is. London had a mayoral election. The election for mayor of London occurred... Since we were together yesterday. The results are in. And they are not close. They are to say definitive. The surname of the new mayor of London is Khan. Not to stereotype without substantiation. So let me get right to the point. London Or Londonistan, as it's been known by those of us fortunate enough to have seen it when it was still London, and unfortunate enough to have experienced the shock of having seen it since it has almost literally, but for about two square miles, not necessarily in one location, but but for about a square mile or two, London has become Dubai. And so, you might ask? And so? I'm not going to say and so. I don't, I, I'm not going to say and so. It's my job to tell you the facts. And sometimes my opinion. I think both are fairly clear here, but... Uh, London has elected its first Muslim mayor. In fact, London has elected the first Muslim mayor ever elected to be the mayor of any major Western city in the history of humankind. I say, I say, old chap, in the history of humankind, no major western city has elected a muslim mayor or otherwise had one until right now and right now today london uh, has elected their new mayor and he is a muslim that is the fact and i guess i feel for the moment unless you wish to call and comment which would leave me no choice but to comment further. Uh, but it's okay. I mean, it's, that's why I just wanted to get it out there, and I, I don't. I don't think. I think what it means is self-evident. I don't think it requires a lot of deep contemplation. Do you? Maybe I'm wrong. But in any case, my my opinion is pretty much captured by my wisecrack about this being Briticide. About today, Great Britain committed Great Briticide. And I believe they have. And I believe this guy, if he is the reincarnation of Pat Buchanan, the mere fact that he is a Muslim, and and again, he may not be a radical Muslim, he may well not be a radical muslim he will not uh, be a uh, an islamist but the signal that this sends when london has been under fierce attack remains under you know the most uh, careful of watches because uh, next to say brussels one of the great hot spots uh, training grounds recruitment grounds for Islamists, uh, is this area, and I no, I don't regard the fact that London has elected a Muslim mayor as as a neutral fact. I don't find anything even remotely neutral about that. Let me say that uh, at the bottom line, London's election of a Muslim mayor could be misunderstood for one reason. And that is, if you're thinking that the few men and women who are still walking around the streets with bowlers and top hats, that would be mostly the men. When you think of Londoners, those few who are still left, I'm going to suggest that they probably didn't vote for the Muslim candidate. Because you see the real question here is it goes back to the original point londonistan the fact is the number of voters who are muslim probably outnumber i heard one report that by a million and again i can't confirm this i heard it bbc late at night Late in the, early in the morning, three thirty, three forty-five a.m. Eastern Time, and I didn't. I was sure I was not hearing what I thought I was hearing, but within that, I, I thought I heard that that Muslim voters either number a million or out outnumber non-Muslim voters by a million people. The fact is, I guess what I'm trying to say, and avoid anything that sounds. Uh, bigoted in any way, for I am not bigoted in any way, is that one of the great Western capitals, London, England, is now uh, overseen by, but far more important, in the elections held in a great democracy. It is now true that in London, That it will probably be true forever. That, I guess the question is not, does London have its first Muslim mayor? But, will London ever again have a non-Muslim mayor? Or, a majority population that is not Muslim? And my guess is, no.
0: This is Jay Severin. Severin This is the Jay Severin Show.
1: With you, the best and brightest on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for the show. Thanks for the job. Uh, this is not what I do. This is who I am. And uh, it means a lot to me, and you do too. Thank you. 1-888-900-3393. one 3393 Now, Back to my ravings at the beginning of the show about moving on and not moving on and, you know, settling our affairs and all of that. I really feel on the horns of a dilemma to this extent. If I start talking about, let's just use an example. Let's say if I said, hey, in this segment, let's discuss who trump is likely to choose as a vice presidential running mate that would be a very timely thing to talk about it would be a challenging exhilarating newsworthy frustrating colorful thing to talk about it has it has all of the earmarks of the things that we like here it's provocative it's filled with opportunities for cheap lofts as well as profound political observation it's got everything Trump's VP choice who will it be am I right Who doesn't want to discuss that? But if we discuss that, and here are both the dilemma and the horns I present to you. It may be imaginary. Or, far more likely, I'm dead bang solid right down the middle of the fairway on this one. And that is, don't you find it a little difficult? to talk about what happens next in the campaign. And I don't care which side. I I don't know whether it's Bernie. That just happens to be boring right now. You know, Bernie, Hillary. It's not going to be boring long, but right now that's boring. Right now where the action is, if this were a film and people – it's Friday night and all over big cities and small – around the United States, there will be movie theaters. And I'm thinking of big cities mostly because you get this congregation of, uh, I'm thinking of my native New York, and you get, in in a two-block area, you have like 25 movie theaters. And it's always been a matter of interest to native New Yorkers to look as you go by or you walk by or whatever, to look and see which lines are the longest? It's just one of those kind of train spotting things, I, I think, that, that that New Yorkers do. But it's always been, since I was a little boy, it's always been a matter of interest. Like, well, how, you know, we, wow, look at that line. And you do, you get lines around the block, around the block, around the block. And, and that would be like when S- you know, Star Wars opens or something else, you know? So it's just one of those little trivia things that, is also a leading cultural indicator that is interesting. How do, <clears throat> how do I honestly serve you and us and be true to myself and to you if I ignore big chunks of what just happened? I'm very keen to discuss who Trump is going to pick, and I've got uh, and 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 I've got other news. Don't think we're not whether or not we ever mention anything else. We're I've got the news of the day. The news of the day politically in the United States is the sudden, unexpected blood feud between Speaker of the House Paul Ryan and Donald Trump, who are in a blood pissing match right now, and. It means much more than that, as generally these things do. I really think it means that the RNC is playing good cop, bad cop with Trump and with a lot of us. I think the RNC is saying, oh, we're fine. We're fine. Hey, Trump, he did it fair and square. We're for him. Then the Republican Speaker of the House comes out and says, I won't endorse Trump until he moves over and embraces our program whatever that is, and Trump essentially says to him, hey, Junior, why don't you embrace this? Now, this is a fairly profound rivalry, given where we are and the personalities involved, and I'm we're going to discuss that today, I think. I mean, when it, if the phones start to ring and you want to go somewhere else, we're going to go there. But I, you see, that's, a, that's typical of something we ought to be discussing because it's the news, it's front page, and it's rich with conspiracy and hate and all the things that make democracy wonderful. But here's the thing, we have yet to devote any time to what happened. Tuesday, today's Friday, Tuesday, when we had dinner Tuesday, Ted Cruz was still in this race. When you left work on Tuesday, if you work a regular shift, when you left work on Tuesday, three days ago, Ted Cruz could still have been president of the United States and Now he's gone. We haven't talked about that. I think it's unhealthy and unnatural.
0: Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network.
1: you are the best and brightest we are the blaze radio network be a great time to call uh we have one line open which as you know is our joke line for this it's what the sports radio people say at three in the morning when they haven't had a call for four hours we have one line open quick grab it actually we have all lines open at 1-888-900-3393 see that never bothers me because the antidote to that is me talking more That has never bothered me. Also, I know the reason that you're not calling is that you are mesmerized by what I have to say and therefore cannot bring yourself to break off the almost hallucinogenic state I've created with my profound rhetoric such that you would break the spell and dial the phone. So I never take personal umbrage at the fact that we have one line open at one Nine hundred three three nine three. Want to steer the show? Hey, Sonny, would you like to try and steer the show? There you go. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Meanwhile, I'll see if I can get along. I'll see if I can manage. And I want to return after telling you about this tweet. I've been thinking about this today. Like, what are some? How would I? like with my own family and with friends to the weekends coming up, what well, can I have some examples ready? One of them is why have I always been uncomfortable with Donald Trump? Uh, uh, the the notion of Donald Trump as an office holder, because uh, you know, I've grown up with Trump and I know he's talked about this before and I've been in many late night conversations Through glazed cornea, where we argued, you know, would a businessman be good or bad? And if so, would a Trumpian businessman be good or bad and all that? So, this is not my first Trump rodeo. And it seems to me that one example is my own. When I remember being asked, Why are you so uncomfortable with Trump? I was asked that by someone I didn't know because anyone that I knew and spent time with, anyone who was a friend, anyone to whom I was close, just like you, you know, they would already know the reasons why, say, you liked or didn't like Hillary Clinton or liked or didn't like Bernie Sanders or liked or didn't like liver and onions. Okay, because that's what makes them friends. Or loved ones, they 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 know you, so no one who knows me would ask me this. But people who I might meet socially, they, in, a, in a in a in a very loose way, you know, they might say, <clears throat> "Well, what bothers you so much about Trump?" And one of the things I would say have always said is that I have always thought of the presidency in fairly grand terms. And I have always believed that there ought to be a sense of respect and even awe that is connected to the office of President of the United States. Now, I know we have no kings. And by the way, more's the pity. The more I see of American democracy, I must tell you, the better and better a hereditary monarchy looks to me. That's a different argument you may or may not wish to consider, but I've always thought that while legally and technically and wink of an eye and all of that, that the president ought to be no better than you nor I, I've always wanted the president to be someone better than most slobs walking around the street, including me. And many of the things that attracted me to George Bush Sr. were those things. He is a gentleman of the old school. He is a war hero. He is well-bred, well-spoken. He's a patriot. He's a gentleman. And if you look at the cut of cloth from which George Bush Sr. is taken... The other mind, the other name that comes to mind here is Mitt Romney. Now, automatically, I realize I am temperamentally of the Pat Buchanan school. I'm not saying Pat's not a gentleman. No greater gentleman's ever been born. But Pat was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Pat is a punch you in the nose, gentlemen you know punch you in the nose if need be gentlemen and pat has been in more than his share of skirmishes physical as well as intellectual so pat's pat's not a lifted pinky tea drinker but he's still a gentleman and very much a patriot so i was thinking about what is it what is it i don't like about trump most And I know that my answer ought to be a lot more formidable than this. It ought to be more substantive than this. But if I'm going to tell you the honest-to-God truth, and I always do, the honest-to-God truth is what has bothered me bothers me now. More about Trump than anything else is that he's Rodney Dangerfield. caddyshack now if you've never seen caddyshack i apologize but and i know I, i want to be sensitive to the younger listeners who uh the 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 millennials that are listening and 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 joining us as an audience and so i know when i mention the most important films ever made Which, of course, anyone is going to say are the films made in their lifetimes, their own lifetimes. So when I mentioned Caddyshack or Animal House, you know, right there, you're talking about Trading Places. Right there, you're talking about three of the most important films ever produced in the medium. And if you don't know Caddyshack, I do apologize. I am failing you as a host because it is my business to say relatable things. But for anybody who does know who Rodney Dangerfield is and the character that Rodney Dangerfield played in Caddyshack, that's Donald Trump. And if at any given moment when the movie Caddyshack was out there in theaters and on any given night, I may have been sitting in that theater and you say you stopped the film and you said to me, you see this character that Rodney Dangerfield is playing. Imagine if someone just like that. Well, you know, little give me a little artistic license here. okay? Imagine if someone like Rodney Dangerfield wanted to be or actually were president of the United States. I would throw up. I mean, again, depending on what your own standards and expectations are for the office, how you view the office, Rodney Dangerfield could be a physics genius. He could be a rocket scientist. But he acts, you know, in this movie, in in Caddyshack, the kind of vulgar, crass, uh, you, you know, walk into a dining room at a private club and loudly break wind at 180 decibels, like at the, the, you know, the same level as a jet engine firing up and then and then and laugh about it. I, you know, is that a president of the United States? That's not even a question. So. I don't know about you, but one reason I'm angry I don't know if it's appropriate to be angry about him or to be angry at him or at whom I ought to be angry. I don't know. I don't like the idea of howling at the moon. That is to say, I generally believe that one ought to identify and define one's enemies or objections or whatever. One ought to be able to make an argument. And I realize in this case, I'm not sure At whom I ought to be angry. But I am angry. And I know why I'm angry. I'm angry because. Rodney Dangerfield. The Rodney Dangerfield character. In Caddyshack. Is running for president of the United States. More powerfully. The Rodney Dangerfield character in Caddyshack. Is evidently the Republican nominee. For president of the United States. I've been involved in politics all my life. I care about it like you care about it because we're patriotic. And it's no joke. It's becoming a joke. This is why the Jay Severin twerk theory is going to win me the Nobel Prize because this is what this is all about. It's twerking, dada, twerking. Our culture culture has become our political culture, to no great surprise. And thus, our political culture is twerking. And who do you think we're going to get? If our culture rubs off on our political culture, who do you think we're going to get? And this is just the very first, earliest stage of this. But the reason I'm angry at, I don't know at who. At whom? Am I angry at Donald Trump? Maybe. Am I angry with us? Maybe. Angry at myself? Maybe. I don't know. I do know why I'm angry. I'm angry because, given the way I think about the President of the United States, I am angry that Rodney Dangerfield is running for President of my country.
0: Jay Severin on the Place Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back, friends and partners. 1 888 3393. Going to the phones. Let me mention one other analogy that's occurred to me. Uh, and this is the one that has always mystified me. It mystifies me now. And it's the one that is separating friends from friends, families from families. Because this is a question that. Each side just is totally guilty of a blind spot or thinks the other side is. I'll only speak for my side. Here's what I truly do not understand. People who do not understand this do not understand. And that is I'm placing before you two little cups with liquid in them. Okay in cup A we have a liquid the effects of which on you are unknown some people have taken it gotten rich some people have taken it and gotten poor some people have said it's nice some people say it tastes like goat pee we just don't know what's in this glass and we in this cup we don't know the effect of imbibing this contents will have on you. Could be good, could be bad. Could be very good, could be very bad. We just haven't done the research on it. We don't know what it will do to you. Here's cup B. This will kill you. It will make you very sick, and then it will kill you almost certainly will kill you. But we do know this. This second cup, you drink this, you will get very, very sick, and you will almost certainly die. As you have surmised, this is Trump and Hillary. Trump is the first cup. You don't know what it's going to do to you, and there are as many people willing to drink that cup are, there are that many theories about what that cup will do to you. We don't know. You don't know what Trump will do. Everybody, including many, many smart people, believe they know, not just suspect, they believe they know what Donald Trump is going to do and what effect it's going to have on the country. How they know this, I don't know, because I've observed the guy, known him for 30 years, and I I don't know what he's going to do. Did he give money to Democrats? Yep. Did he give money to Republicans? Yep. Has he been a Democrat? Yep. Has he been a Republican? Yep. Has he been pro-life? Yep. Has he been pro-choice? Yep. Has he been on every side of every issue? Yep. I don't know I don't know what he's going to do I'm developing my suspicions but I don't know and see I can't know and neither can you and what I don't get and this is the great blind spot that's separating friends from friends family from family co-workers from co-workers is how anybody can say oh no I know I know what he's going to do no you don't you have suspicions, and I don't question your motives, but it hasn't happened yet. He's never been president. You don't know what he's going to do. Hillary Clinton, you know what she's going to do. She's the second cup, which is poison. You don't need to guess. You know she's Satan. Jay
0: Severin on The Place Radio Network.
1: I never understood before what people meant. Maybe I've been very blessed by not knowing. I've never known what people meant exactly. Do you? By cloture or closure. But I'm feeling, even though I've lost those dear to me, uh, so I've been, you know, sheltered, haven't been that blessed. But right now, I guess I feel that way about this election. I find it very hard to talk about where we go from here until we t- t- talk with each other about how we got here. What 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 wh- how is it that it's only Friday and now it's Trump versus Clinton. Tuesday night when I ate dinner I was still planning on a contested convention and Ted Cruz running for president. And now I'm bereft, as many of us are. I find it difficult to start talking about Trump vice presidential picks. It almost, to hear the words in my own ears, sounds almost ludicrous. It is ludicrous. It won't be less ludicrous once we've talked about how we got here and what happened Tuesday and since, but it would help. Excelsior! Welcome back. Best and brightest trying times for us. I recognize again that not everybody is or was for Ted Cruz. And so those of us uh, partners, no less partners are ye in the show, no matter for whom uh, of the 17 Republican candidates or Democrat candidates you are pulling for or pulled for. uh, How's that pulling going? (laughs) but uh it's 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 okay we're all here together one way or the other in the end one triple eight nine hundred three 900 nine hundred three three nine three I will express a a a point of some personal slash professional apprehension, and that is that where I work, I believe there are fairly deep divisions about where to go from here. Uh, I've always felt that as long as you had an honest viewpoint and it's been consistently held and could be defended, that that's no problem. Maybe I'm naive. But, I, you know, I, I worry everywhere not just not just here at the blaze i worry everywhere and man if it could happen here at the blaze i mean you're not going to find a group of brighter fairer minded more analytical you know experienced people and and so you know man oh man and i'm not saying it's it's happened i'm not saying it's going to happen i'm just saying that i'm apprehensive as i look across the uh you know across our great country made up after all only of our own living rooms and cars and families you know i wonder whether this election is going to have you know a not only dispiriting but maybe really ugly dividing effect on us and the weird thing about this is It's 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 being seen thus far as Trump's fault. Now I've made how <laughs> much more clear I could make over the last two years what I feel about Donald Trump and over, and over the last hour and a half what I feel about Donald You know, I'm not this is not my first rodeo. I've been doing this all my life. So if you've been with me, my view on donald trump has been the same the day i came to the blaze radio as its first radio host by the way you know the, the, i mean other than other than the big man the big man and the lads you know i mean the first guy from the outside you know hired i mean i my uh, attitude about trump has always been the same uh every day as it remains now one of the things that honesty requires me to say is I find it weird that people are angry at Trump. I don't find it weird that you hate him. I can hate him. I, 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 I'm I, just saying to be angry at him is different. I mean, everyone has a right to run. And if you're going to be angry at somebody, am I, I mean, really, am I not right on this? If you're going to be angry at somebody, go get a mirror. I remember for years in my line of work, I had people saying to me, Jimmy Carter, how did that ever happen? And my reply never varied. It was, do you own a mirror? Good. Go look in it these guys can't decree themselves candidates well they can decree themselves candidates they can't decree themselves winners in any given state every caucus or primary that trump has won he didn't do it with a gun to anybody's head so i'm dispirited by trump's success i'm depressed at his status as the presumptive nominee of the party for which I've voted all my life and will continue to vote so long as they promise to do the least damage to the Constitution of the United States of America. I've never been, I'm, I'm a Republican in, in the literal sense. I'm for a republic. That's what we are. We're a constitutional republic. I am, I am ergo a Republican of that sort. But I've never been for any person or any other thing or idea that supersedes my fealty to the Constitution of the United States, freedom and liberty. That's, that's what I'm loyal to. And that's one of the things that continues to confuse me. I'm missing something because there are people who believe they know, which is different than they have an opinion on. There are people, very bright people, who believe they absolutely know as a matter of physical reality that Donald Trump will absolutely, absolutely without question, absolutely do more violence to the Constitution of the United States, to freedom and liberty, than will Hillary Clinton? Are you kidding me? But that's one of the things that I find confusing. And I am apprehensive because... I worry about it's being dividing between us and I don't want it to get in the way of our being able to adjudicate this, to, you know, to sit down with plenty of cheap lofts, but at the same time, sit down and litigate this thing and, 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 you know, look at the facts and argue the points and come up with the best possible decision please don't take my i mean I, I know i i do throw myself back on the analytical as as a, as a baby blanket as a safety blanket i don't do it to escape from real life it's just that having done politics as my real life and living all my life i i'm you know i'm i'm always ready to say all right what does this mean okay it's not what i wanted that sucks it sucks by definition because it's not what I wanted. But, okay, it is what it is. And so now it is what what now? What do I make of these lemons you've given me? We have been dumped, just been dumped upon with lemons in the last three days. What do we make of them? What do we make of them? And I don't know the answer, but I would just, I'm yearning to see us start to decide what we will make of them. And the answer clearly is not nothing, or I'm just going to smash the lemons in my own face, or I'm going to smash the lemons in your face, or I'm going to, you know, rub the lemons in strangers' eyes on the street and start fist fights. We clearly. If we've got lemons, we have to make something of them. I'm not Pollyanna here. You know that, too. I mean, what sucks, sucks. What is, is, and sometimes what is, sucks. And right now, what is, sucks. So, what do you make of suck? That's up to you and me. Jay Severin. On
2: the Blaze Radio Network.
0: This is the Jay Severin show on the Blaze Radio Network
1: And this is Rocky Rock Excelsior Jay Excelsior brother is,
2: is my echo gone
1: Uh hello 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 Yeah uh, yes it Uh-oh. is Oh cool
2: I have a strange delay but I'll well, let's enough, let's try that to fight
1: through
2: it. Okay, um, I heard Van Jones the other day say something that I thought was kind of cool. That I think is somewhat pertinent to what we're talking about. He was talking about the first time that a president used radio, and then TV, and then the internet. And I think Trump is using uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? Twitter, social media. And I think that it's his campaign has been like one-liners and stuff. And I think you were talking about anger earlier. My own. No, uh, about uh, anger like uh, Trump and like the way that we all kind of feel like now that uh, Ted's out. Uh, I don't think that. Well, we feel I, yeah, for anger the
1: rest so of us, much. I was only expressing my own anger in that in that term. I think for the rest of us, we're disoriented. I think there's a lot of disorientation. Yeah. This has happened so quickly. Tuesday night, I, you know, sat down for dinner, and Ted Cruz was my next president, and now it's Friday afternoon, and I'm still goggle-eyed with shock. I'm shell-shocked. Amen, brother.
2: And I think that like from the best and brightest uh, and in you and me, I think we're a different audience than, like, the common Trump supporter. I think that the common Trump supporter is, like, angry, and I believe that we're a little more uh, used to using common sense and logic. And I think, like, the the last thing, the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, for Ted and the rest of us was listening to Ted with that Trump protester. The way that we feel about it is, how can the guy be so stupid? He just keeps coming up with these one liners and you know lying you said all of it before yeah
0: yep. they're, they're, yep.
2: they're all one liners they they didn't have any real thought process no real well, they're, underlying not thoughtful people. Meaning.
1: they're not they're no. not thoughtful people it's you know I mean, I can go through the, these these tweets I get every day. And one of the reasons that the same people get written back to and the same people get uh, 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 read on the air is that those are thoughtful people. And many of them are critical. That's fine. But you can immediately read something, Rock, as you know. You can hear a sentence from somebody or you can read a sentence from somebody. And you know they're either thoughtful people or they're not. And, you know, you try. You just can't waste your time on the thoughtless.
2: So here's my, uh, here's my reason for hope. And I think that we may be at a turning point and we're all trying to collect our thoughts and we're trying to figure out where we go for here. But the reason that uh, Trump has been so popular is that he appeals to these type of people. He is that wrecking ball mentality that just goes and bowls somebody over just because he's he a classic
1: it. populist. He's a classic populist yeah. at a time... In a country's history, when it when populism and nationalism immediately appeal to the electorate because the electorate is angry.
2: Remember how he was going to be interviewed by Hugh Hewitt. You and I talked about this before, and yes. Hugh hadn't even said anything to him, and Trump like insulted him, and to that makes him popular with his followers. It's yes. like with Trump, it's by any means necessary that he can insult and demean his opponent makes him stronger, but that's going to work against him. I think now, uh, Jay, I think like his little fight now that he's having with uh, Ryan and his fight that he had with Prince, or uh, Prince Prince pubis. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I think, you know, uh, teasing Carly about her face and Rubio sweating and Ben Carson being a pathological liar and Jeb low energy and Lion Ted. I think all that's going to work against him because, you know, what happens when he has no conflict to be able to fight for GOP? What's he going to do? He's going to continue to insult and be negative. He's going to sometime need, and I really liked what Paul Ryan did, he needs to rally the party, and that's his job as president, as a, as the executive. That's his job. He needs to do yeah, that. You make and a he very not- cr-
1: crucial point. The only way, and again, I don't know how many, uh, it'll be midnight tonight before I end up finish, uh, replying to, if I decide to, the tweets I'm going to get that will grossly misunderstand, misinterpret what I'm about to say. This is not giving Trump advice on how to win or endorsing him or wanting to win or any of that. I'm merely observing. As a matter of political math, the only way that Trump has a path to victory, however meager it may be, the only path that Trump has to victory in a general election is to continue to exploit and maintain the Trump phenomenon. And so, Rocky, he has to continue the media coverage and intensity at this level every day until November. And as long as the media is going to play along, he has a chance to do that. That doesn't mean a chance to win, but it means... You know, it's his only—if if, if, if we don't hear from Donald Trump for days or weeks at a time in this campaign, then Hillary Clinton will ply her natural advantage, and there won't even be a chance. But Trump's only chance, however meager that chance may be, uh, lies within g- ginning up the media coverage, Rock, and keeping it as intense as it is right now, and that means— To go back to what you said, he's going to have to be more insulting and divisive than ever because the media will start to habituate like a like a drug taker. You know, all of a sudden, two pills won't do it. You're going to need four pills. Well, the media, you know what they're covering? They can't cover the same thing. He's going to have to give them a plate full of hate every day to keep this up, to have any chance. All right, Rock, we I, thank you so much for the call. I hope to hear from you next week. You'll be in my mind. We'll communicate during the weekend. I will be right back. And I hope you'll be Seven. Here. on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back, best and brightest, my friends. I'm Jay Sabrin, 1-888-900-3393. one 900 3393 I have another analogy, and then I'm all out of analogies for this week, which means they <clears throat> stretched perfectly to fit the five-day broadcast week. Trump versus Clinton. You have money. This is a financial analogy, which means I'm weak already. I have no business mentioning it because it has to do with money, numbers. But it's actually easy enough for me to understand. Trump versus Hillary. You're going to take your family money, however modest, and you're going to invest it with a broker. And let's assume you know everything about the brokers in advance. Okay? So you know everything about the brokers in advance. Now, this is not meant to uh, favor Trump because he's a businessman. It has nothing to do with it. This is completely, you know, in a vacuum here, okay? Completely hypothetical. But you're going to invest your nest egg with uh, one broker or another. A or B. And A is your idiot brother-in-law. Now, your idiot brother-in-law has made some good investments. He's also made some bad investments. I mean, investments so bad that you wince when you think about them. Admittedly, investments so bad that you say, on the basis alone of this investment, I don't know how I could, you know, trust this guy. It's so idiotic. But He has a mixed, an admittedly mixed record. And under normal circumstances, you would eliminate him from your consideration, wouldn't you? Of course you would. But you see, that's not our hypo. Our hypo is, it's a binary equation. You are going to give your business to your idiot brother-in-law or your idiot sister-in-law. Your idiot brother-in-law has had a mixed record. You know he has done stupid things. You know he's done some smart things. It's a mixed record, but you suspect bad things. You know, you, you just, you're just, you're not comfortable with him. You are I'm not comfortable. We're going to drop you, All right, guys, we're going to drop me, and I'm coming right back. Are people seeing on the morning they get up to go vote and the night before they put their head on the pillow to go vote in the morning Trump claims that Ted Cruz's father was a buddy of Castro was a buddy of Lee Harvey Oswald claims that he had something to do with the assassination somehow of JFK and what does Ted Cruz do Ted Cruz holds a press conference He's got his wife on one side of him and Carly Fiorina on the other saying, hey, look, you know, my father didn't wasn't a buddy of Castro's didn't have anything to do with the JFK assassination. Do 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 I'm looking at this saying, no, wait a second. I thought the Trump accusations could not be happening, but now I'm seeing Ted Cruz defend them. I'm seeing Ted Cruz defend him. No, that's not my father there with Lee Harvey Oswald in the in the Texas schoolbook depository building. Oh, and, and no, that's that's not that photo. Is not my father Rafael Cruz knocking off Jimmy Hoffa, burying him in the end zone of the giant Stadium stadium at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Well, at least we have that one solved. Do, 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 do. And if you see this clip, and you will, oh, you will, when you see this clip of Ted Cruz denying that his father killed JFK, essentially, because that's what people are, it's not, this is not you and me here. We're talking about the larger, larger, great unwashed, really large, larger, great unwashed audience. And what this becomes is Cruz denies. Dad role in JFK assassination. That's what it's saying already. You can see it on the look it up online. Do 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 do. And so he's having a press conference saying, no, no, my dad really didn't kill JFK. Honest. Do 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 do. And he has Carly on one side of him and his wife on the other. You're Okay, best and brightest. We had a technical difficulty. We trust that technical difficulty has been solved. You ought to be hearing me now loud and clear, of which we are greatly, I am greatly hopeful. So by and by, we'll learn if that's true. Uh, Okay, sounds good to you, Skip? Yes. If Dr. Skip says it's good, it's good. All right, let me return, uh, so I could still get it in in this segment, to this other analogy. You must invest uh, let's say your your grandfather is the patriarch of the family, and he says, I've got good news and limited news. The good news is I'm giving you the family nest egg to invest. The limited news is that you must do it. Don't argue with me. There, I will brook no argument on this point. You must use either your idiot brother-in-law or your idiot sister-in-law w- to invest the money. That's it. That's it. That's settled. Don't open your mouth or you don't get the money. Okay. So your idiot brother-in-law has made, has a very, very mixed record. That's being kind. Has a very mixed record. You're not sure whether he's a bull or a bear. In fact, pardon me, during his career, he has been both bull and bear. And he has won and lost money doing both. There is no clear pattern to what he is. And so soon when someone says to you, well, your broker, is he a bull or a bear? You're going to have to say, I have no idea. I have no idea. It could go one way, could go the other. Okay. That's your idiot brother-in-law. Now is your idiot sister-in-law. Your idiot sister-in-law has made every bad trade possible to make during her lifetime. She is truly an idiot broker, as well as idiot sister-in-law. She's done everything wrong that you can do. She has never had a winning year. She's never had a winning quarter. She's never had a winning day. All she has done is lost money. Her record is Terrible, horrible, vomitous, gruesome, grotesque, vile, awful, the worst it can be. There is no question anyone in the financial community that knows her knows that she is a train wreck and can't believe that she's still in the business. She's been wrong everything she's ever done is there on the record, and it's wrong, and it's demonstrably wrong, and it's a loser. Okay. Now, you get to decide with whom will you invest your only nest egg. Will it be the idiot brother-in-law with the tremendously mixed record and you have no idea which way it's going to go because he's done stupid things on both sides. He's done a couple of bright things on both sides, but you, you suspect the worst of him. You can't prove it, but you suspect he's going to revert to all of the bad things he's ever done. You don't know it. You can't know it. You just have a feeling in your bones that your idiot brother-in-law is going to turn out to be, the worst broker in the history of brokers, and he's going to be the manifestation of every mistake he's ever made. That's, that's your assumption. But then again, you don't know, do you? On the other side, you have the idiot sister-in-law, and we've already said all that needs to be said there. You know that she's never been right. You don't wonder. You don't have to stay awake at night wondering whether she's going to screw up. You know she's going to screw up. You know she's going to get it wrong because you know she's gotten everything wrong in her life. You know exactly what her uh, philosophy of uh, investment is, and she's gotten every single thing wrong, and you are convinced that based on her philosophy of investment, everything will continue to be wrong forever. Oh, did I neglect to mention this? The name of your idiot sister-in-law is Bernie Madoff with whom, given this imperfect choice, given this admittedly grossly imperfect choice, even so, given the facts at hand, Are you going to invest with the brother-in-law, Trump, or your sister-in-law, Bernie, not Sanders, Bernie Madoff?
0: This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze
1: Radio Network. Best and brightest, I love you, and still, you are going to have to persuade me that you are unwilling. I know you're able, but you're going to have to persuade me that you are just flat unwilling to do a post-mortem on the cruise campaign before we move on, before I move on. I just, I want to know what you think I do. And I wouldn't harp on it this much. I, I really do mean this. I want to know what you it's too late for today. But I want to know and I'm going to be back Monday with the same question What went wrong with the cruise campaign? It almost lends itself to a, a nursery rhyme. What went wrong with the cruise campaign? What what went wrong? Was it us? Was it him? was it the timing was it the time was it the material what was it now look there are a couple of things i i do want to mention uh very quickly a lot of us are i am thunderstruck by and and you know this is my living but i still can never remember being this disoriented by sitting down for dinner tuesday night Ted Cruz was going to be my next president and now it's Friday afternoon and he's a dead man. How did this happen? Well I mean I'm this is what I do every day. How did this sneak by me? I mean you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm I'm totally disoriented. I'm thunderstruck by this. It's awful. For some of us who wonder and I have more people I know off air, have asked me this question than any other. And this is the question. Why did Ted drop out so soon? I mean, I know that he wanted, needed, expected to win Indiana. We know that it was bad news, bad karma, bad indicator that he did not win Indiana. We're we're aware of all of those things, yet, yet, kind of in the spirit of how do we go from Tuesday night dinner time to Friday afternoon, and it was Ted Cruz was going to be my next president, and now it's Trump versus Clinton, or I have to move to another country to vote? I mean, how did this happen? Okay, in that spirit, a lot of people have asked me, why, how? How is it that Ted Cruz went from being Uh, you know, a high-flying possible president of the United States of America on, he woke up, Ted Cruz had breakfast, lunch. Ted Cruz had lunch Tuesday, and he was, in the minds of the people around him, the next president of the United States. When Ted Cruz ate dinner, he was a dead man. How does this happen? Why did Ted drop out so quickly? Even though, knowing as we know, all of the reasons why Indiana was so important. Why? How? did Why didn't he hang on for another week? You know, hang on for Nebraska. Hang on to see if there's buyer's remorse with Trump. See if a couple other states come to his rescue. Nebraska probably would have. And there are others. Why didn't he wait? And without delaying the unavoidable conversation we must have about the postmortem of Ted's campaign, was it a bad candidate? Was it a bad campaign? Did he have bad followers? What was it? I can answer this question for you and refuse to end the week without providing you the answer. It was money. This is how close to extinction any major political uh, candidate is. Ted Cruz knew when he ate breakfast, lunch on Tuesday, that he needed to win that night in order for money to arrive. He knew that Super PACs and others said to him, you win tonight, there will be $5 million in your account tomorrow morning. I'll wire it to you. Which means that the planes fly. I'm not kidding. It means the planes fly. Okay. What happened? I don't know this for a fact, but I know it. The reason he dropped out the same day was money.
0: This is Jay Severin Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network.